Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm pleased to have on as our guest, Rachel Kutnick. Rachel received her master's in social work at Loyola University, Chicago. She has over 10 years of clinical experience, having worked in community mental health, in hospitals, and in private practice. She now practices as a therapist in her own private practice in Playa Vista, California, primarily working with teens, adults, and couples in person and online. She identifies as a holistic therapist, integrating approaches that incorporate the mind, body, and spirit, while accessing her clinical knowledge in psychodynamic therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, developmental theory, and attachment theory. She hopes to support clients in the therapeutic space to strengthen their own intuition using therapeutic and healing practices that will help them reach their goals. Welcome, Rachel. Welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm excited to have on as our guest, Rachel Kutnick. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about your approach to therapy. And I know you work on integrating holistic and spiritual approaches in psychotherapy. So that's the title of our talk. And I'm kind of interested to hear more about it. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. I'm actually really excited to talk about this today. My background is as a social worker. So I'm trained to see the person in their environment, which in itself is a holistic lens. And that meaning that I'm focusing on your mental health, but I'm also mindfully integrating your spirituality, the body, and the relationship with your environment. So even as a social worker, we're trained to see things and practice holistically, but it's not, it's not ever told to us that that's what we're doing. And so as we go more into theory and picking your theoretical approaches, I'm also trained psychodynamically and certified in cognitive behavioral therapy, I realized that when I really just delved into the theories on their own, that they felt limiting, that I would get somewhere with a client, they would make progress, they would have insights, but then they would often regress when they went back into their environment or they were on their own for a significant amount of time. And when I started to intuitively use what I've been trained as a social worker, which is really integrating their connection to spirit, their connection to their mind, their connection to their body, activities that they do, things that are meaningful for them, incorporating that as interventions and tools in their treatment, I would see transformative Hmm. change start to happen. Got it. So there's kind of a difference between holistic and spiritual approaches, right? I mean, maybe just a definition of the two and how they differ might be kind of a good place to start. Great. Yeah. Holistic. When I think of holistic, it's really that mind, body, social and spiritual approach. But if we're separating spirit from holistic, it's really just that mind, body, social approach. So things like exercise, breathing, music, art, writing, dance, your sleep patterns, your basic needs, really attending to the body, your environment, how you're feeling within your mind, but also in what you're doing. Spiritual is more so the connection to something greater than yourself. So somebody's connection to possibly God, spirit, divine, the universe, 
And for the clients that I've seen and people in my life that I know that are more atheist, even just that self, that higher self that's within you can feel almost spiritual. So they might not identify with spirituality per se, but they will definitely feel that they have a higher consciousness, a higher part of themselves that's regulating these other parts within themselves. So it sounds like kind of the holistic side of things are kind of less abstract in a way, right? They're just things that you can do to kind of enhance the quality of life in terms of the behaviors you engage in or healthy activities or choices, right? Most definitely. And using holistic and spiritual approaches, it's always a collaborative process. So nothing is ever just like in therapy, we might have an idea or an intervention, but it you invite the client into that space, just like you would do with a holistic intervention. So when you offer these options to clients, they don't even realize that these are therapeutic options. And when they're offered, they're either already doing a lot of these things, so it can then be immediately integrated into their work, or they are very curious to start trying some of these things to see how it benefits their healing and their health. Okay. And then do people come seek you out as a therapist because they want to focus on these types of things? What's the usual course of action? I get a mix of both people. I tend to specialize in working with anxiety and depression. I work with trauma. I also work with relationship issues and strengthening self-esteem. So I get a lot Mm -hmm. of people that just call saying, I want to talk to somebody. I've never seen a therapist. I don't know what this means. But the people that tend to find me, even the ones that have never been in therapy, do have some type of spiritual belief or practice that they're really excited that I openly talk about that in my work. Mm -hmm. And they always end up integrating it into the process in some way. Some people specifically do want to see me because I'm open to talking about things like past lives, their dreams, if they're seeing a psychic or a healer or shaman or someone outside of our work that they can integrate that work into the therapy space as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And what about just more traditional religions? How do you incorporate that into therapy? I allow the client to lead in that way. I'm not an expert on any specific religion, but I'm completely open to a specific client sharing their particular beliefs because religion most definitely impacts how somebody shows up in the world their specific thinking, their practices, what's important to them, what's soothing for them, and what might be triggering in the therapy space as well. And sometimes we bring in those rituals. I've had clients who identify as Christian, who are very much in touch with the gospel and have brought music into some of those sessions. So during their meditation, they would use gospel music. And then we would talk about how that was feeling in their body, the shift what happens when they're in that space or using prayer, informing me how they use those practices outside of therapy. It might not come into the space, but it might be a part of their intention for the week ahead to be engaging in their church community or their specific religious community more mindfully. So that makes me think of the question, if you are a spiritual person or a religious person as a client wanting to see a therapist, Is it necessary for that therapist to share the same faith or just to have an open mind about various forms of spirituality? I think it depends on 
how much you want that to be the focus of your treatment. If you want a specific, I know a lot of people will seek out Christian counselors specifically because they want to be incorporating the Bible and a very specific mindset and discussion and mentality. So it just depends on the client how much of that spirituality wants to be integrated. But no, you do not need to be an expert in their specific religion unless that's exactly what they're looking for. You can also use people in the community so they might be seeing you particularly for therapy because I would be the expert as a therapist. But if they want more than I'm able to offer with their spiritual approach, that you can add people to their team. They can spend more time with their pastor or their healer or whoever that is mm-hmm. so that they're getting that support that they need and then bringing those experiences into the therapy space to discuss, to share, to deepen into. Got it. Yeah, so but this idea that spirituality in whatever form that takes on for the individual is a, an important tool to kind of allow the therapeutic process to move forward. Most definitely. I've definitely just found it to be limiting. And I have clients at a crisis call even just the other day where a client just said, I'm so stuck. I don't know what to do. I did my breathing. I did my walking. I'm just like, I did the things they told me to do and I'm still stuck. And I asked her, I just said, do you have any spiritual practices that you find supportive? She said, yes, I do energy work and visualization and meditation. And I said, have you tried any of those? And she said, no, I didn't know those were coping skills. (laughs) And so just opening the space and asking the question. I'm not always dictating, try this, do this. I just open the space for discussion. And what I preach about the work that you talked about is, you know, how do we get back to our true selves? And healing starts with the self. And in therapy, if we're not allowing for someone to explore all of those parts of themselves, even just by asking the question, we're really missing out on some amazing healing opportunities to add to the right. So, I mean, I know you mentioned treating depression and anxiety. So how kind of spirituality might be able to enhance the process of treating those disorders? Is that kind of the main disorders that really you find spirituality or holistic approaches may be very helpful for? I have to say, I, I have a background in community mental health as well as private practice. And I've used holistic and spiritual approaches with most of my clients and I've worked with a broad spectrum of diagnoses from generalized anxiety to PTSD, bipolar disorder, even schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder. You just need to be mindful of how you're using these approaches for any client and making sure that it's supportive and it's safe for that particular Mm -hmm. client to be using. But Mm -hmm. I've had music and gospel like I said, be really healing for one particular client who had severe agoraphobia. I've used dancing with clients in their home as a form of treatment for those that are severely depressed and isolated, just having playful movement and tapping into some joy that they had within them that they hadn't felt in a really long time. So it can definitely be used with various diagnoses, but I know something just to be mindful of diagnoses that just might not be the most beneficial things like psychosis. You know, you just want to make sure that the person is safe and assessing for anything that they might be using in a way that could cause harm. 
that could be more obsessive in nature, especially somebody like exercise and diet can be a really helpful holistic tool. But if it's somebody that has a primary diagnosis of an eating disorder, that might not be what you want to be focusing on as their coping skill because they might be using it in a way that's unsafe for them. Got it. Right. And that maybe leads to the question of in what ways could moving more towards the spiritual side of things be detrimental? And maybe, like you said, if there's kind of, if there's an obsessional component associated with some of the rituals associated with it. So I guess it just really depends on the client and the the case. It depends on the client and the case. And the way that my holistic approaches are used with all of my clients is extremely different for each case. And so that's where having the background as a therapist and knowing my ethics and knowing client safety and their specific diagnosis that I take all of that into account. So this is not, it's definitely not something you go to a self-help book, right? And you're like, oh, I'm going to try all these things that, no, these things can be really activating and it might be activating in a way that you're going to want your therapist to be in that space with you to help regulate or process what was activated and use that in a therapeutic way. But it could also be activating as a sign that this isn't right for me right now and Mm. to be able to not use that particular tool and maybe discuss what other tools could be more supportive. What about for people who maybe kind of grew up with a certain faith and have kind of decided that that's not the direction they want to continue in, but still are missing a degree of spirituality that they're searching for? Do people ever start therapy thinking about how to incorporate that to some degree into their lives? Definitely. That's a great question. And I have met with people who came from a particular background, primarily what I've seen is the Catholic background or the Jewish background, but they find themselves, they'll say, I'm not really either, like I grew up this or this, but I would say, I guess I'm more spiritual, but I don't really know what that means. (laughs) So we just assess, well, where does that show up in your life? And often my more spiritual or seeking clients are trying things like yoga. Well, I'm really drawn to yoga or soul cycle or meditation. And we talk about what is that shift when you're not in that space versus when you're in that space? And what is that connection for you? Is it to God? Is it to spirit? Is it to the universe or nature? And just allowing each client to process how am I connecting with spirit? What does that mean for me without me defining it and without their religion defining it? And then possibly taking things that still they connect to from their religion and in ways religion has been healing for them, but also in ways in processing how the religion might have felt harmful to them and mm-hmm. using that in therapy to better understand you know, why you feel you're breaking away from that. Why is there an intention or an intuition around not doing that anymore and wanting something new? And are you in a sense kind of maybe a coach coaching them through these spiritual exercises or that's not it at all? Sometimes it can feel like coaching, but it's definitely more therapeutic in nature. I still have the lens of therapist when we're using holistic or spiritual approaches in session. One in particular that I would say can feel more like coaching is things like visualization. So a lot of times I'll work with clients and I do a lot of internal family systems work. So recognizing parts, the parts within you, taking that a step further with a spiritual approach, 
I'll do visualizations with clients where we close our eyes and we have the client visualize that particular part. Often it's their inner child. And then visualizing that child, asking that child questions, you know, how old are you? Where are you? What is it that you need from me? How can I support you? And visualizing bringing a healing connection to that child from their adult self now or older self. Sometimes it's even teenagers doing this exercise and using things like a white light to bring in soothing. Sometimes even the inner child will ask particularly for some type of healing experience. I want you to hold me. I want you to pray with me. I want you to sit with me, hold my hand. I want this particular color to be with us right now. And then bringing the client back into the therapy space and processing that visualization. So, you know, you had mentioned people have different ways that they gravitate towards different types of spirituality practices or types of different types of spirituality. You mentioned people visiting psychics. I'm just kind of curious about how that fits into a therapeutic process of somebody gaining insight into their life and their history and their background and how that maybe can shape the understanding of that can maybe shape things moving forward. So I'm just curious of the interplay between someone say, well, you know, it's not in my control, right? And this is, will happen. So I'm just curious how that gets worked out in therapy and discussed. Oh, great question. And every experience, of course, is going to be different. Every psychic is different. I actually have, and I'm building resources of professionals who are psychics and healers in my own network that I feel very comfortable referring my clients to if they were ever really interested in having a reading or bringing that into the therapy space. But Mm -hmm. any psychic will also tell you, you have full control over your life, that those readings Mm -hmm. aren't, you know, this is going to happen to you and this is the time and that you can change your life at any time, that these Mm -hmm. are readings of the present moment of where you're at and kind of taking that into mind. What clients will do is if they have a reading, they'll say, okay, I, I saw this psychic and I was told about my particular relationship that I'm struggling. I'm holding myself back. Yeah. You know, I was told that I'm holding myself back in creating this love relationship that I'm looking for. And I'll say, okay, well, how are you necessarily feeling? Do you feel that that's true for you? And does that apply? And often the themes that come up in the psychic readings will be already themes that we're discussing and talking about. So we can deepen into the attachment patterns that this was validated. Sometimes there's just an aha moment or like, oh my gosh, I can't deny this anymore. Even the psychic is telling me that I'm holding myself back and and they'll be able to say, like, I can't deny this. This is something that clearly has been in my history and other people are picking up on. And often those things that people discuss in psychic readings are, you know, career, love, self, money, you know, things like that. But these are all things that people in therapy are saying, hey, I want to have a more abundant life. I want to love myself more. I want my relationships to have more ease and connection. And so sometimes those readings can really support a client to deepen into discussion around things that they might be avoiding in therapy or just minimally talking about. 
Do you clients ever ask you about your practices or is it preferable to just not, you know, even bring that into the room or share that? I think it's funny. Some people do ask me. I don't just tell everyone what I've been through myself, but if a client particularly asks, have you seen psychic or have you done this? I'll say, okay, this has been my experience. If you'd like to know in my own healing, I know we're all drawn into this work for a reason. I, I definitely bring in holistic spiritual approaches because I also felt limitations in my own healing. And I've had things from acupuncture to meditation, dream work, hypnosis. I've done past life regressions, visualizations, art, religion, integrative medicine, music, and dance for me has actually been really transformative in my life. So I I love to talk about dance. Interesting. What about, I mean, I'm sure there's some clients you see that don't want to talk about any of this either. Completely. Like I said at the beginning, this is optional. It's a collaborative process and you can ask clients, do you have any spiritual beliefs or practices? And they say, no, not really. And then that's it. You're back to traditional therapy and that's completely fine. I think with clients that do not openly identify or practice much in that area, At the end of my sessions, I always offer an affirmation card, an angel card, or an oracle card to end the session, which is a short reading, typically a very positive reading that helps close out the energy, end on a positive note in a way, and set possibly an intention for the week ahead. And all of my clients that are atheists, that are not really openly discussing their spiritual or holistic approaches. They always use the affirmation cards at the end of session and they do find it really supportive. So in that way, Mm -hmm. they're opening into a part of themselves they might not have accessed just by even just using an affirmation card. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really this idea of whatever is supportive to your client, right? And whatever allows them to kind of find soothing tools in moments of distress. And whatever that is, that's safe for them, right? That's really what you're going for. You're just trying to find, okay, what tools do we have to allow you to kind of help ground yourself during moments of anxiety or major distress? And also, what tools are they open to trying? I almost think of anxiety disorders with exposure therapy. There's this reality of, okay, I know you don't want to necessarily try this thing that's going to make you anxious, but you know what? In doing these small steps, it's going to open you up to be more regulated at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And even with some of these approaches, things that I do with everyone, breathing, we teach clients this, that's just CBT, mindfulness, you know, belly breathing, scientifically regulating your body breathing from your belly, not your chest. So you're not hyperventilating and instead fully taking those deep breaths, really integrating body work, with everyone on some level, but asking if there's an opening. Most clients are at some point typically open to doing some type of creative art activity or utilizing writing in some way, whether that be journaling, writing poetry. And I offer it as a option. You know, is this something you're open to trying on your own or bringing into session for 10, 15 minutes and processing what that is for you? And it does 
help them connect beyond their ego, beyond their mind, beyond whatever repetition they're in and trying something new and shifting their own experience within their body and mind. Yeah, I totally get that. That makes sense to me and might make sense to a lot of people. So I guess another question I often ask people is, we kind of talked about treatment course in terms of just kind of blending this into the treatment in a major way or in a minor way, depending on what the, the individual needs. In terms of the length of your treatment with people, how do you usually see length of treatment? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. Again, it depends on the client. I would say most of my clients stay with me for a year or longer. Again, I'm trained psychodynamically primarily, so I tend to really work within the relationship, the therapeutic relationship, and going back to those unconscious patterns. But I am also trained in cognitive behavioral therapy, so I can work with someone. I think the least amount of time would be six months with me, but the longest I've worked with someone is seven years. So I can really be with you depending on where you're at and what's going to be most supportive in your journey. Right. And kind of what the person needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If an individual is listening to this and wondering about how they may want to find a provider or learn a little bit more about how holistic practices or spiritual practices are blended into the therapeutic process, what are some resources that you would suggest maybe reading books? things like that they can kind of start kind of getting their feet wet learning about this or how would they find a practitioner who really focuses on this what are some suggestions yeah asking your therapist I think clients are starting to learn more and more like oh not all therapists are the same there's a lot of different kinds of therapists and they all have different personalities and ages and backgrounds and if they have a particular knowing I want someone that does energy work, or I want somebody that is open to using art or hearing my spiritual beliefs. I'd like to bring some of these practices into the session. You can just ask these particular therapists that you might be connecting with, whether it be on psychology today, you really vibe with a person's message, mm-hmm. their background. It may or may not be on their site, but I would say if you're connecting with someone, give them a call. Usually there's that 15 to 20 minute free consultation time that you can really ask, how do you do therapy? You know, what would I experience in a session with you? You could go to their website, get a better idea of what this person might be like. And sometimes in their website, their about pages, things like that, people will go into more detail of this is what it would actually look like to work with me. In terms of therapists that just specialize you would probably be searching for, you know, again, Christian therapists. If there was a specific religion, you would be searching particularly for that. There are some coaches that are not therapists that might be doing more energy work or healing work. But if you're wanting a psychotherapist, somebody that's trained as a therapist that also integrates these approaches, I would say that it's more a matter of asking that particular person questions if they're open to integrating that do that or if they have any referrals that they wouldn't know of right any good books that you would recommend or websites that people could go to yeah top of the list is the body keeps the score by Bessel van der Kolk it's an amazing book talking about again his feelings of 
feeling limitation with certain approaches and seeing how really using the body and holistic approaches can shift and change and heal trauma. Okay. Yeah. So we'll put that on the episode description. So the listener can kind of look into that book and be able to kind of know how to get it if if they want to learn it more. Is there anything that we didn't bring up in our short interview that you think might be just an important topic that would be kind of of interest to the listener for this specific discussion? Sure. Yeah. Something I'd, I'd love to just share is I myself in my own healing process was really drawn to ballroom dancing. I started ballroom dancing at a time where I was struggling with a lot of anxiety and depression and had no idea how healing that would be for me. And now I'm a competitive salsa dancer. Really? (laughs) And in my own practice now, my private practice, I'm offering a modality. It's called movement breakthrough sessions where I work with both people that haven't danced and would like to incorporate dance into the therapy to go to some classes and then come and process that experience with me, what's shifting Mm -hmm. for them. And then also working with dancers to help them remove any emotional blocks that might be getting in the way and become even better and more professional, kind of reach those specific goals for themselves for being competitive on the dance floor. Interesting. What is it about dance that you find so helpful? There's something about the structure, the touch, that's safe touch because there are boundaries and there are specific moves that you're learning, but being in hold with somebody, having your role and being connected in a way where you're in your body fully and you're connected to somebody else and listening and communicating through body. And you're not as much in your mind, you're more in your body mm-hmm. and you're connected to the earth. It's really just this transformative holistic experience that when you are so in your mind with anxiety or depression or low self-esteem, stress, or overwhelm, that there is such a shift and a joy that can enter that space almost immediately that can be accessed and really pushing you outside your comfort zone. It's not always comfortable and fun, but there's an exposure piece there of seeing yourself improve. And it's typical, yeah, I kind of relate it to any sport, right? You try something, you're not so great at it, it's scary, you're overwhelmed, and then you start to embody that in a way where you feel really comfortable and confident. It's really fun to see. I've seen that growth happen for a lot of my my friends in classes, but also for myself and feel that people are missing out on that space to really access all the wisdom that's coming through and the shifting and transformation. And I'm hoping to hold a space for that to support people in that process if they decide to use that as a modality for them. Huh, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And I don't know if you would be open to this, but I actually pulled an affirmation card for you today. I know we're ending soon. And the affirmation card I pulled, and what I'll do is I'll shuffle the cards and try to tap into the person's energy. Usually if you're face-to-face with me, you pull your own card, but because of COVID and technology of teletherapy, (laughs) I'm pulling cards for my, my people right now. But today you got a card that says, you are awesome and it's got two hands up in the air and a bunch of flowers and water and the message is your greatest relationship is the one you have with yourself build it strengthen it praise yourself 
share what makes you proud. Your beaming delight will help others shift from glass half empty thinking to heck, I'm pretty awesome too. Well, thank you. And I would wonder, is there any particular meaning that message has for you? The greatest relationship you have is with yourself. Does that mean anything to you? You know, I think what it does is kind of it recenters my thinking. I am in the world, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> and, uh, we're so focused on so many other things outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think it just allows, in a sense, me to just allow me to recenter okay. in a way that's very simple, right? But <laughs> we forget yeah. about that all yeah. day long. We it's do. Kind of this kind of the idea of meditation and how meditation just recenters you and says, you know what, you are moving in the world. And kind of the most important thing is to actually be aware of who you are in your interaction with yourself in the world. Yeah. Kind of what I thought of when you said that. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate you describing a bit more about your practice and how you work with people. And I loved how you did an affirmation at the end. So thanks for your time. <laughs> I appreciate it. You're so welcome. I hope this is helpful for the listener as well. And so we'll make sure we have your info up on there and just some more resources for the listeners so they can learn more about this. Yeah, they can contact me if they have any other questions. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. This has been Mind Stories. With remote appointments in California and offices in downtown Los Angeles, Santa Monica, Hermosa Beach, Marina Del Rey, and Echo Park, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, mood and anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more to help you get back to your true self. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com. Thank you for listening to Mind Stories, and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.